Hello and welcome to VCP Talk. I'm your host, Nicole Knight. Today, we're taking a deep dive into the world of pet insurance from a veterinarian's perspective with Dr. Doug Kenny. Dr. Kenny practiced small animal medicine and surgery for 42 years. He's now the host of the Pet Insurance Guide podcast, and he's written two books on pet insurance along with a toolkit, so he's a fount of knowledge on this topic. Dr. Kenny walks us through the basics of pet insurance and how pet insurance can work with pet accidents, injuries, chronic illnesses, and wellness care. He advises practices to have many tools in their toolkit, like pet insurance and wellness plans, to help pet parents pay for veterinary care. He also encourages practices to consider platforms like VCPs, which enable customized care, along with providing predictable monthly payments that give pet parents peace of mind and importantly, take the administrative burden off of staff. Definitely a good thing right now. So let's dive right in. Dr. Kenny, welcome to VCP Talk. Thank you so much, Nicole. I've been looking forward to uh, doing the interview and talking about pet insurance for your audience. We have two. For starters, for listeners who aren't familiar with your book or podcast, tell us a bit about yourself and your experience in veterinary medicine. Well, I practiced small animal medicine and surgery for 42 years, and I've been researching and writing about the pet insurance industry for over a decade. In 2009, I published a book entitled Your Guide to Understanding Pet Health Insurance, where I explained how pet insurance works and even included some policy information for each company that was offering pet insurance in the United States at that time. What I didn't know is that pet insurance companies frequently tweak and sometimes totally change their policies. So the company-specific information became obsolete after a couple of years. And that's when I decided to start a blog with the intent of keeping that company-specific policy information up to date since it's in a digital format versus a printed paperback book. A couple of years later, I started the Pet Insurance Guide podcast, where I interview pet insurance company representatives, often the founder, president, or CEO of the company. We talk about their background and why they got into the pet insurance market, and I ask specific questions about their policy. I've also interviewed veterinarians and or veterinary staff at primary care and emergency specialty hospitals about how they recommend and utilize pet insurance in their practices. And I will sometimes interview pet parents who have insured pets about how they researched and chose a company to insure their pets, as well as their experiences when 
filing claims and so forth. I wrote a second book entitled Pet Health Insurance, A Veterinarian's Perspective in 2016. And this book has more evergreen information about pet insurance and how it works without much company-specific policy information. I refer readers of the book to my blog and podcast for additional content, and I've designed a pet insurance toolkit that helps pet parents do their research to choose a company and policy that best fits their needs. The toolkit is also helpful to veterinarians and their staffs to learn more about pet insurance, and especially if they're considering picking one or two companies to recommend to their clients. Thank you. That's so helpful. And I think that gives our listeners a lot of confidence just hearing about the depth of your background in pet insurance that we've got a real expert on the show today. So that's wonderful. I thought we could start by defining terms for listeners who aren't sure about the role pet insurance might play in a practice. As you know, VCP provides a platform to enable wellness plans, chronic illness plans, and the like. And these plans, they cover a bundle of services and they provide predictable monthly payments. Now, pet insurance provides predictability to some extent too, but it's unlike a wellness plan. Could you you give our listeners a quick primer on pet insurance? I think the role of pet insurance is to help pet parents pay for pet health care expenses that they would have trouble paying for out of pocket. These are usually unexpected events that also happen to be expensive. So from my perspective as a veterinarian, there are four different categories of pet health care expenses that pet parents need to be aware of. The first is wellness care, as you mentioned, and that is the annual and semi-annual wellness exams, vaccinations, heartworm preventatives, and so forth. When veterinarians make clients aware of what wellness procedures are needed for various life stages, when those procedures are due and the cost, this helps pet parents budget and save for those procedures. They aren't unexpected. In fact, most pet parents are already paying for these out of pocket. The second category is minor acute accidents and illnesses like ear infections, urinary tract infections, diarrhea, insect stings, minor lacerations. These are problems that can usually be handled as an outpatient And even though these are unexpected events, pet parents can usually handle these out of pocket. The third category is major acute illnesses and accidents, defined as any acute condition that requires surgery and or hospitalization. In addition to being unexpected, these events are usually expensive especially if they're treated at an emergency or specialty hospital. These expenses are why pet parents need a line of credit 
a savings reserve, payment plan options, and consider the purchase of pet insurance. And then the last category is chronic conditions like allergies, diabetes, arthritis, Addison's disease, Cushing disease, kidney failure, heart failure, and so forth. These are conditions that are treatable but not curable, so they require treatment for the rest of the pet's life. The mistake that most people make is assuming that chronic conditions only occur in older pets, but many of these start early in life, even less than a year old. Therefore, pet parents tend to underestimate the cumulative cost of caring for a pet with one or more chronic conditions over the pet's lifetime. And with many of these conditions, there may be acute decompensation events that require hospitalization to stabilize the pet so they can resume a relatively normal, good quality of life. And about 40% of all pet insurance claims are for chronic conditions. So pet insurance policies generally cover accidents and illnesses, although some companies offer accident-only policies. And what is covered in an accident-only policy varies company to company. As a veterinarian, I recommend buying an accident and illness policy to get the broadest coverage. But if a pet has certain pre-existing conditions that are chronic, like diabetes, they may only qualify for an accident policy. Some companies also offer wellness care coverage. Pet insurance companies tell me this is frequently a requested coverage, even though pet parents are already paying this out of pocket. I don't think they usually come out ahead buying wellness care coverage from a pet insurance company, though. It's more like swapping money. They prepay for wellness care and get reimbursed when wellness procedures are done. And as you said, Nicole, some veterinarians offer their own wellness plans that are tailored to their own wellness care recommendations. And it may just be better to go that route. Using a service like VCP to customize their wellness plans also helps them budget for wellness care. That was very helpful. Um, Thanks so much for that, Dr. Kenny. I am curious about how it works, like what the payment model is for pet insurance versus, you know, say a wellness plan where with a wellness plan, the pet parents have the same monthly payment for the services that are rendered. But it's my understanding that insurance policies are different because the pet parent is reimbursed after they've paid the vet. So they have the services at their veterinarian, then they paid for the services, and then they wait for reimbursement. Is that still the case? Unfortunately, yes. (laughs) The traditional model for pet insurance has been reimbursement. As you stated, you know, the veterinarian performs the service, the client pays in full, files a claim, and then gets reimbursed within days to a couple of weeks. Some companies will pay the veterinarian directly if he or she agrees to accept payment from the insurance company. In this case, the pet parent would be responsible for 
out-of-pocket expenses such as a deductible, a copay, and any uncovered expenses. This can be particularly important when a pet parent can't afford to pay the total bill up front, even though their pet is insured. Pet insurance might also come in handy when veterinarians offer chronic disease or dental payment plans through VCP because the pet parent can sometimes recoup some of that money via their pet insurance reimbursement, especially if their policy covers dental illnesses as well as dental accidents. You mentioned a minute ago uncovered expenses. I'm curious about who decides what expenses are appropriate to cover, such as labs, exams, medications, because I think that would probably vary from practice to practice and, of course, vary from uh, one pet to another. Does the doctor decide or does the insurance carrier decide? Each pet insurance company decides what's covered and the details are in their policy. So perhaps the most important step a pet parent can take when choosing a company to insure their pet is to read a sample policy before purchasing. And very few do, I'll just tell you. (laughs) Coverage has greatly improved over the last 15 years. And some pet insurance companies have one or more veterinarians on their staff to help advise them about coverages. I have a list of things in my book and in the pet insurance toolkit worksheets that I think should be covered based on my experience in private practice, diagnosing and treating conditions that clients end up actually filing claims for. So it does vary quite a bit from company to company what's covered. I've mentioned earlier dental accidents versus dental illnesses. Uh, That's just one example. About half the companies cover dental accidents only, being defined as fractured tooth from chewing on something hard or getting hit in the mouth versus dental illnesses which is the most common thing seen by veterinarians in private practice, especially in cats and small dogs. So if you've got a cat or a small dog, you want to make sure that a policy that you buy covers dental illnesses as well as dental accidents. That's so interesting. You know, a lot of of our wellness plans actually include dental services in addition, because that just helps and and then addresses the issue that you just mentioned about how an insurance policy wouldn't actually help a pet parent in that situation, unfortunately. I guess I'm curious then, so you've really kind of laid out, um, you've given us a great grounding in, you know, pet insurance 101. So What are the advantages to a veterinary practice of having clients whose pets are insured and possibly recommending pet insurance to their clients? Well, I think pet insurance helps bridge the gap between the care a pet needs and what the pet parent can afford to pay out of pocket. 
the fact is there may be a significant percentage of a veterinary practices clients who cannot afford their doctor's diagnostic and treatment recommendations, especially if it's a problem that requires hospitalization and surgery. And sometimes a pet will present with symptoms that require an in-depth diagnostic workup just to determine the cause of the problem. A parent whose pet is insured is more likely to say yes to those recommendations than if the pet isn't insured. At the same time, I believe it behooves veterinary practices to have as many tools in their financial toolbox as possible to assure more clients can afford their services. This includes the preventative care plans and chronic care plan that VCP offers. (laughs) We certainly agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. I, I found an interesting statistic. According to the North American Pet Health Insurance Association, the number of insured pets rose 23% during the pandemic. However, prior to that in 2019, just 2.8% of dogs and less than a percentage of cats, it was 0.6% of cats were covered by pet insurance policies which is so low. Um, why do you think why do you think market penetration is so low? Well, I just want to start out by saying that about 80% of all pet insurance policies purchased are for dogs and only 20% are for cats, which is reflected in the statistics you just mentioned. This needs to change because cats can also require expensive health care and having a cat that is predominantly indoors doesn't change that despite what many people think. If you look at the top 10 conditions that pet insurance companies reimbursed for cats, you'll find that many of those problems are chronic diseases that are just as likely, if not more likely, diagnosed in an indoor-only cat. And besides that, cat premiums are generally about half what dog premiums are. So more cats really need to be insured, in my opinion. I have to believe that nowadays most pet parents know that pet health insurance exists. So as you ask, why aren't more pets insured? I think perhaps the biggest reason is that a lot of pet parents just don't believe they need it. They are used to paying only for those first two categories of pet health care expenses I mentioned earlier, wellness care and minor acute problems that they've been able to handle out of pocket just fine. Unless they or someone they know has been faced with an expense of a major acute healthcare event or a chronic health problem that requires frequent rechecks, monitoring, as well as ongoing treatment, they literally have no idea what these things can cost. Even if you tell them, 
many will choose to believe that something like that will never happen to their pet. The fact is, they don't know that. I've often said that if pet parents could see what I and my staff see day in and day out, their eyes would be opened as to what's possible. And Nicole, you know, this is true about a lot of things in life. Who has not thought or said, myself included, something like that will never happen to me. I also think there's a lot of people in the United States that are just wary of any kind of insurance. They find it hard to understand. And pet insurance, quite frankly, is one of the more complicated types of insurance to understand. I'd be willing to bet that most of us haven't read any of our pet insurance policies all the way through and can say we understand it. Personally, I trust my insurance agent to help me make sure I'm adequately covered for my homeowners and auto insurance and so forth. And they help take care of my interest when I have to file a claim. And over the past 30 years, I've never been disappointed. Pet insurance, however, is usually sold directly to the consumer or sometimes through employer benefit plans. So there isn't an agent to advise pet parents. Because I'm familiar with most pet insurance policies in the United States, I can read negative reviews written by parents on review sites about pet insurance companies, and I know that what they are complaining about can be attributed to the fact they didn't fully understand what they were buying. This still leaves a bad taste in the mouth of consumers, however. And veterinarians also get frustrated when they perceive that their insured clients are being treated unfairly by an insurance company, particularly if they recommended the company to the client. So this can leave a sour taste in veterinarians' mouths also. The first successful pet insurance company started in 1982 and quite honestly, compared to today's policy offerings, it just wasn't a good product. It wasn't until around 2005 or so that what I consider a decent policy offering appeared on the market. I've made it abundantly clear, I think, that the reimbursement model, that is having to pay the vet up front and get reimbursed, as we talked about earlier, particularly if a pet parent is facing a large bill, is another reason more people don't get pet insurance. I mean, just think about this. If you cannot afford to pay a $5,000 or $10,000 bill out of pocket and your pet is insured by a pet insurance company that doesn't pay veterinary hospitals directly, or your veterinarian won't agree to accept payment from the insurance company, having pet insurance does you absolutely no good. No good at all. Yeah, I can, t- I can see that. Wow. And I've, I've heard in the past year several stories of pet parents with insured pets who went to an emergency clinic with a pet that had a very serious life-threatening illness and ended up euthanizing the pet because they couldn't afford to pay the large deposit up front 
and or the balance when the pet was discharged. And in mm. my opinion, this ought not ever happen. No. Although pet insurance companies allow pet parents to customize their policy by choosing a deductible, copay, and annual limit to find a premium that fits their budget with middle-aged and older pets, premiums are increasing quite a bit to the point that pet insurance may just be unaffordable for some of those pet parents. So even though the pet insurance industry is growing, in my opinion, it faces significant challenges to achieve significant market penetration. Wow. That it- this is a lot of great information that really explains those low rates. I, I was I was surprised to see that it was so low after such a long amount of time. But as you laid things out, it, it's it's so complicated. Well, let me let me ask you this: What would you think if I told you that there's an industry that's been around for forty years and only has two percent market penetration? What would you think? I would think that was. I'd be shocked the industry was still in business. I would too. Okay. Um, switching gears, although still on pet insurance. So I wanted to run an announcement um, by you that I saw recently from a large pet insurance provider. Now, this company had launched a helpline for pet parents to call to call the company with health-related questions. And it seemed to me like this type of service does not keep the local vet at the heart of the client relationship or build loyalty. However, I thought this type of service might help practices, especially those nowadays that are severely understaffed. What is your perspective on this type of helpline by an insurance provider? Well, I know why they're doing it and it makes sense. And uh, generally, I think telemedicine is is a good thing overall in human medicine and likely veterinary medicine, too. Uh, As you mentioned, there's actually several pet insurance companies that include helplines at no extra charge. I recently talked with someone who offers this type of service, and their data showed that about 60% of the calls were handled without a vet visit being required. And I mean, to be honest, a lot of those calls may not even been medically based. You know, it may have been what's the best food to feed my pet or, you know, what treats are good or, you know, who knows. But Hmm. not all of those were medical calls. But generally, this will save the insurance company money and pet parents' money. Even though these helplines are usually available 24-7, I think the real advantage of these is after hours when the primary care veterinarian isn't available. This is when the pet parent usually visits an emergency center where the fees are sometimes significantly higher than their primary care veterinarian. And not all problems that at first seem like they're dire emergencies actually require a vet visit. Uh, I remember one Christmas season, my receptionist told me that a client was on their way in with their dog who ate a whole box of chocolates. I'm preparing to induce vomiting and start the dog on IV fluids and all this. Well, when the dog got to the hospital, 
I saw it weighed 80 pounds. And so I had the owner call the poison control hotline and tell them the brand and size of the box of chocolates the dog ate. Turns out, because of the size of the dog, the dose of chocolates wasn't toxic at all. And at worst, might cause some diarrhea or something. So we ended up keeping the dog for observation, but it, he never showed any, any symptoms. So that's just an example of, you know, what seemed like a dire emergency may not really be an emergency at all. And a vet helpline would be able to tell the pet parent that and save a, an unnecessary visit to the emergency hospital. And I featured several veterinary hospitals on my podcast who have a primary practice and urgent care practice and an emergency practice. And I think some veterinary hospitals are also offering vet help lines after hours to help pet parents determine if they need to go to the emergency center now uh-huh. or if the problem can wait until the next day and be seen at the primary care practice. Uh, large group practices, uh, including the one that I worked in before I retired, also had a large number of doctors who could rotate on call maybe just twice a year for a week at a time and accomplish the same thing. A client would call in and they would answer the question. Yes, it sounds like an emergency. You need to go to the emergency center tonight, or this can wait till tomorrow. You can come in tomorrow morning, or sometimes it's just my dog had surgery today and with Dr. So-and-so and he's acting this way. Is that normal? And we could answer that question, you know, without a visit and so forth. So I think veterinary hospitals will figure this out and be able to adapt to these helplines. Interesting. Okay. Um, Switching gears. You talked about how pet insurance has been around for a while. We've talked about how the market penetration though still remains really low. And we really talked through in depth a lot of the reasons why. So I guess let's turn now to the future. Are there any innovations happening in the insurance industry that veterinary industry professionals should look forward to? Nicole, to be honest with you, I've just about given up hope that the pet insurance industry is motivated to make the changes necessary to make their product more readily available for pet parents and easier for veterinarians. And I'm talking about those issues I addressed earlier as we talked about why market penetration was so low. I think the case can be made that most innovations come from outside an industry. There are new pet insurance companies launching every year, but the policies they offer are just tweaks from what's already on the market. And when I see this, my response is, what's the point? New innovations are birthed when someone perceives how things could be and should be, but they aren't, regardless of the industry. They see a need that nobody is addressing, and they decide to do something about it. 
So we've already talked about what I consider to be the elephant in the room as far as pet insurance, and that is the reimbursement model. There is uh, one company that stepped up to the plate and launched a software that I believe is innovative. It's, it's disrupted the pet insurance industry somewhat that allows veterinarians to get claim pre-approvals and be reimbursed directly by the insurance company in real time with minimal involvement of the veterinary staff. That way the pet parent only has to pay the deductible copay and for any uncovered expenses out of pocket. The bottom line is I believe there are a lot of pet parents who can afford a monthly premium, a deductible, and copay out of pocket that can't afford to pay thousands of dollars up front and wait for reimbursement. And Nicole, I'm sure you can attest that there are a lot of pet parents who can afford to pay for an expensive dental procedure via one of VCP's dental plans that couldn't afford to pay it all at once out of pocket. Oh, definitely. And just the peace of mind and predictability of dividing payments over a 12-month term mm-hmm. uh, versus that big lump sum, which is yeah. you know, anxiety-provoking for the vast majority of us. But just having a regular, predictable monthly payment provides so much peace of mind. And then just knowing that you're, you know, your trusted veterinarian is there providing the best care for your pet. The, the other thing that needs to change, in, in my opinion, in the pet insurance industry is pet insurance companies should be able to pre-approve claims 24-7. I dare say that most pet parents would like to know, and some would actually have to know, if an emergency procedure is going to be covered before they okay a treatment. Uh, If a veterinarian is going to agree to accept payment from an insurance company, they definitely need to know if the treatment is covered or not before the procedure is done. And, you know, just think about this. Think about all the insured pets that are seen after hours when the insurance company is closed at an emergency clinic when this type of thing might come into play and they have no way of knowing 100% that this procedure is covered and how much they would be reimbursed and, and so forth. So I just don't understand why that's not more important to the majority of the pet insurance companies, because I have to think that to the veterinary community, that would be an important consideration, particularly if you've got a client in front of you that's got a, a seriously ill pet and they can't afford to pay a large deposit up front or whatever. If you're going to work with that client uh, on the payment and they have an insured pet, then you have got to know that if you're fixing to do a $5,000 or surgery, hey, it's reimbursable. You know, there's there's no way that you can kind of under that. Yeah, you know, veterinary practice, I mean, you can't, veterinarians can't afford to just 
hope that someone can pay $8,000 or $10,000 because they're incurring all the costs too. And and they have staff and, you know, the staff have families they're supporting. Right. One of my favorite people when it comes to customer service that I have heard about is Hortz Schultze, one of the co-founders of Ritz-Carlton Hotels, which you know is known for their superior customer service. And he says that one of the hallmarks of excellent customer service is providing what the customer wants and needs when they want it and need it. And that is not happening because, as I just mentioned, most pet insurance companies are closed and not available after hours. I also have a couple of quotes uh, in my book in the chapter entitled The Future of Pet Insurance. And it's sort of my rant on how things in the pet insurance industry could be and should be, but aren't. And one of those quotes is by Craig Groeschel, who is a pastor of Life Church. It's a multi-site church with locations in several states. But he's also a best-selling author and noted business and leadership podcaster. And this is what he said. And I immediately thought of the pet insurance industry when I read this, it, particularly in light of the low penetration rate. He said, to reach people nobody else is reaching, we must do what nobody else is doing. And 98% of the pet parents aren't insured in this country. So Al Rise, a marketing strategist and author, said in his book entitled Focus, the future of your company depends on it. The next generation product almost never comes from the previous generation. So if I'm right and the elephant in the room is indeed the reimbursement model, the question is who's going to come up with different ways to solve the problem that may not even involve direct payment to the veterinarian? or even involving the veterinarian at all, I would venture to guess that most veterinarians would be happy to reap the benefits of treating insured patients without being involved at all with the claims and reimbursements from pet insurance companies. So interesting. We've mentioned in our discussion here today how pet insurance and wellness plans are different, but they can be complementary. For example, you mentioned how if a pet has a wellness plan, but then also has the wellness insurance, the wellness insurance can pay them back what they're paying for the wellness plans. That's super interesting. Can you provide doctors with pointers on how to talk to their pet parent clients about the differing roles of pet insurance and wellness plans? Yes, I think veterinarians need to communicate to their clients what wellness care services are needed for each life stage of the pet. And while wellness care isn't an unexpected expense, wellness plans can make the cost of wellness care more predictable by helping people budget for it. I would encourage veterinary practice owners and managers to consider services like VCP because you make it easy by taking the burden of administering these plans off the veterinary staff And there's so much flexibility for the practice, as well as the pet parent, 
in what VCP has to offer. Clients are already paying for wellness care out of pocket, but dividing the cost into 12 monthly payments will likely make other needed services more affordable for the pet parent. And as we've already talked about, pet insurance is for the unpredictable and more expensive veterinary care. And I think making clients aware of pet insurance is a good thing because it can help maximize the money a pet parent has to spend on their pet's health care. At your pet insurance guide and on the pet insurance guide podcast, I educate pet parents about how pet insurance works and how to research companies to find the best fit for them and their pet. And I let pet parents know the factors they need to consider from a veterinarian's perspective when choosing a company policy to insure their pet. If a veterinary hospital wants to recommend one or two specific companies to their clients, uh, the toolkit is a good resource to find those companies because veterinarians need to pick a company that best fits how they practice. In other words, you want a company's policy to cover the most common services that you provide for your clients. For example, if you do a lot of dentistry, as we talked about earlier, especially on small dogs and cats, you want a company that covers dental illnesses and not just dental accidents. You know, what are the most common health problems you diagnose and treat in your practice? And this is probably influenced by the top breeds you see in your practice. Also, are the premiums for, for both young and older pets in your area affordable for your clients? If veterinarians don't want to recommend a specific pet insurance company to the clients, but they do want to recommend that their clients consider pet insurance, the Pet Insurance Toolkit is a great resource for their clients as well. And if veterinarians want to learn more about how other veterinary practices are utilizing pet insurance and how they recommend it to their clients, and so forth, they can go to PetInsuranceGuidePodcast.com, click on the veterinary category, and there's a lot of interviews with practice representatives, a lot of them with veterinarians and owners of the practice who talk about the advantages that they see of recommending pet insurance to their clients and exactly how they do it step by step. On the website, the podcast website, you can also click on the VCP category and listen to the in-depth interview I did with Bob Richardson, the president of Veterinary Care Plans, and learn how they can benefit your practice also. And that's why I said earlier, I think veterinarians need to expand the tools that they have in their financial toolbox to allow pet parents to be able to afford their services. Right, exactly. And we'll be sure to include a link in our show notes to your podcast, as well as that episode with 
Bob Richardson, our president, talking about uh, wellness plans and chronic illness plans and the like. Dr. Kenny, this has been such an informative conversation. Thank you so much for coming on VCP Talk. Well, I've enjoyed it, Nicole, and I appreciate you um, inviting me. And what you do is a valuable resource for veterinary practices and I just highly recommend veterinarians take a look at uh, offering payment plans uh, if they aren't already uh, and adding that to their options for their clients. Thank you so much. Thank you. Today's discussion with Dr. Kenny provided a wealth of knowledge about the world of pet insurance. So here are three key takeaways from our conversation. Number one, as Dr. Kenny noted, a significant share of pet parents simply cannot afford their doctor's diagnostic or treatment recommendations. And this is especially true with a medical problem that requires an in-depth diagnostic workup just to figure out what's going on or one that requires hospitalization or surgery. Pet insurance in these cases can help bridge that gap between the care of pet needs and what a pet parent can afford to pay out of pocket. In addition, VCP's chronic illness plans can work hand in hand with pet insurance in these cases. Number two, it's a sad fact that only 2.8% of dogs and 0.6% percent of cats were covered by pet insurance policies in 2019, and that's according to the North American Pet Health Insurance Association. However, on a happier note, usage did rise 23% during the pandemic. Now, Dr. Kenny believes that the reimbursement model, you know, where pet parents pay up front and then they wait to be reimbursed by the insurance company is a big reason that more People don't have pet insurance these days, and this is especially true if a pet parent is facing a large bill. I mean, just think about it. How many of us can come up with several thousand dollars at the drop of a hat and then wait to be reimbursed for that? And finally, number three, Dr. Kenny encourages veterinarians to regularly communicate with their clients about wellness care services needed for each life stage. As he notes, Although wellness care is not an unexpected expense, wellness plans make the cost of wellness care even more predictable. And they do this by helping pet parents spread the cost into simple monthly payments. Now, Dr. Kitty encourages veterinary practice owners and managers to consider services like VCPs because the more tools a practice has in its toolkit, the better. And... That wraps up this episode of VCB Talk. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, or review us on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also follow VCP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and learn more about our proprietary business of wellness on our website, vcp.vet, or feel free to call us with questions. Our number is 888-9MY-VCP1. That's 888-969-8271.